It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Broadcasting from the Morton Studio today, I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Well, we've got an interesting topic for today. What is your New Year's resolution for your farm going into 2022? If you've got any questions for us today or if you'd like to talk about our topic, if you have a resolution you'd like to share with us, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. But I, so for Darren and me, and actually our sister Janelle lines up, what our topic's going to be for any given day. And, you know, I looked at what the topic was, but... Honestly, I forgot. I walk into this radio studio today and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Today's the day we're going to talk about resolutions for the farm. So I started thinking, what's my resolution for our farm for 2022? Well, I I don't know if I have anything that's great for you, but every year I want a field. And when I say every year, it probably last three years now. I just want a cornfield to average 300 bushels. Now, keep in mind, we farm in South Dakota, so it's not the greatest ground. We don't have irrigation. We only, on average, get 22 to 24 inches of total annual precip. And in 2021, we had just over half of that. So it was one of the drier years. But I still think we can get there. We did have a field this year that that went 270. So we're getting, and that was in a dry year. So we're getting really close, but that's the one thing I want to, whatever we have to do, I want to get to 300. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you got to make money too. <laughs> Look, I, that's obviously our goal is we're trying to make money on it. I haven't found a lot of things that we can increase yield with that don't pay fairly well especially right now. I mean, off the combine next fall, we can sell corn for $5, five bucks. So there are a lot of things that pay. Even this high price fertilizer, that still pays too. But I, I would say this, um, you really have to be aggressive in what you're doing for boosting those yields up another 20 or 30 bushels. And that's kind of what we found over the last few years is we, I mean, we got to kill every weed. We got to stop the bugs very timely. We're spraying multiple times for disease. We, and everybody wants to talk about hybrid selection, but let's be honest, no person in the world knows what the best variety is going to be in any given area because we don't know what the weather is going to be like. If you could tell me exactly what the weather was for every single day of the growing season and what bugs would show up and when and what diseases would show up and when, then I could tell you a lot better, oh, yeah, this hybrid should fit in that situation. But we don't know. So that's why I look at anybody who's going for yield contests or anything else. They're planting multiple varieties. You have to. And I don't care if we're talking about trying to go for some yield contest or just normal farming, we're always going to advise you as agronomists to plant multiple varieties, spread your risk a little bit. But anyway, I'd say that's really the thing that I'm after. I want, I want a field that does 300 on corn. I want a field that does 100 on beans. So those have been my goals for like the last three years. And doggone it, this is going to be the year. 
So that's what I'm after. So I don't know if that's really a resolution necessarily, but those are really my goals for 2022. I just want one field to do 300 bushel corn. Now, yeah, I'd like a field to do 100 bushel beans. I don't think we're ready to get there yet. We're getting close. But I, I don't know if we can make that this year. But I do think on the 300 bushel corn, we're close enough. I, th- I really think we can hit that. So anyway, uh, we'll talk resolutions for the farm throughout the show. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, got this fertilizer question in from Kyle. And he said, I'm farming in central Michigan. I'm changing my starter fertilizer from dry to liquid, and I'm trying to figure out the best program. We've got a John Deere single disc opener uh, that we're applying this with. Corn is planted into conventional till soybean stubble, and sugar beets are planted into conventional tilled corn stalks. Shooting for 200 bushel corn, 30 to 35 ton sugar beets. Uh, I'm putting out 45 gallons of 28% with 5 gallons of ATS pre-plant in corn and 30 gallons of 28% with 3 gallons of ATS on sugar beets. I don't even know what am I what am what am I even looking at here? What is this? This is his fertilizer program. So but, it's all the products he's using over on the left side there. Okay, but I don't have soil test information. What's all this over on the right? What's all that? How many pounds of NP and K you're getting out of each of these products? Okay, yeah, okay. Now I got you. You got a total down at yeah, the Yeah, okay. Bottom. Well, I I I, I I can't really answer any question because I don't, I mean, what do we think of this? I, I don't know because I don't know what the soil's like. Yeah. So so what we would like to see, Kyle, is if we could see a, a complete soil analysis, then we'd have an right. idea of what your cation exchange capacity is, how much organic matter you have, how basically how much forgiveness are you going to have if you overdo things? Because let's just say, for example, your cation exchange capacity is single digits and your organic matter is less than 1%. Well, you can't put a whole lot of starter out there without risking some seed injuries. You got to be real careful. Well, okay. So if this is right, and if I, well, this can't be right. What? What? Because what I'm reading here, this is eleven point four nine. Is that pounds of phosphorus that he's putting out? So it's it's here, here. Give me, give me those figures again. What did What did you say he was he was going to apply? Because well, I was trying to read. In addition to all that, he's numbers. putting on forty five gallons of twenty eight percent on corn with five gallons of ATS, and on sugar beets, 30 gallons at 28% with three gallons of ATS. In addition to what? In addition to what he's doing with his starter. So he said he's so trying what's to... So tell me the starter again. Well, he's wondering about starter fertilizer rates and components, and that's why he's got this big list of choices Oh, there. oh, okay. Good grief. That took a lot of explanation. Okay, so apparently I'm really slow today, but I, I don't I don't know what to tell you because I haven't seen your soil. I, soil test. I need to see the soil test to help you out better. But here's my biggest fear. If you're switching totally over to liquid and you're going to have 1034 as a big part of that plan, don't put much in furrow. Three gallons in furrow and a 30 inch row is our limit. That's five pounds of salt per acre. So I'd be hesitant unless I'm going two by two or worse. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. It came in waves, ruthlessly eliminating the toughest, hard to kill grassy weeds in wheat. Everest 3.0 herbicide, a new formulation, delivers superior flush after flush control of wild oats and green foxtail. And Everest 3.0 is registered for use on yellow foxtail, barnyard grass, Japanese brome, and key broadleaf weeds that can invade your wheat and rob your yields. Ask your retailer about Everest 3.0. Always read and follow label directions. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Welcome back to Ag PEHD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today and right before the break, apparently I was just unbelievably confused. Normally I'm a little quicker than that. But anyway, Darren gave me this question and as he was asking the question, he handed over a sheet. Well, normally I look at soil tests and I know on a lot of different companies' soil tests, where to look for all the information and everything else. Well, this was a, a liquid fertilizer plan and it just took... It took a little while for me to figure out what's even on the sheet here. Well, now I finally have it. And so anyway, it looks to me like what he was talking about is 20 gallons of liquid fertilizer for his sugar beets and 15 gallons for his corn. I made the comment before the break, you got to be really careful with high salt products if you're going to be anywhere close to the seed. So if I was going two by two, how would I feel about, for example, on this corn program where it's 15 gallons, roughly call it five gallons, 1034, five gallons of 28%, three gallons of ammonium thiosulfate, and then a blend of some different micronutrients, and a little fulvic acid. I'm fine with all that, but just don't even, you can't do it in furrow. Uh, you'll, you'll hurt the seed for sure. So how much yield are you going to take off? Could be two bushels, could be 25 bushels or more. So just as long as you're not doing it in furrow, you're keeping it away. So either deep band it or do two by two, and you're, you're probably going to be okay. And when I say probably, there's always this thing of, look, if you get too much salt in a concentrated area and your tiny little root gets down and hits that salt zone, then it gets burnt off. And so I would encourage you, if you're going to start doing 15 gallons of this high salt mix you're talking about, even if it's two by two, do some root digs next spring. Because I'll bet you, you're going to have a few spots where you're still going to burn the root off. It's a lot. This is the reason why a lot of people have gone what they call two by two by two. So in other words, they're doing two by two, but on both sides of the row. So that way you lessen everything. Now, the other way to handle that would be to throw more water in with it. Because it looks like you're putting three quarts of water with it. Well, that, that doesn't help much. Um, if you put several gallons of water with it, then that would help 
safe in it, basically. But I understand hauling more water is not super efficient. So I'm just saying, absolutely, you can do this program. And most of the time, it's probably going to work if you do a two by two. But if you had light soil and a really dry spring, you will most likely burn off a few roots here and there. So you're, in my opinion, right at the top end. All right. Let's uh, get back to 2022 resolutions for the farm. Let's head over to Minnesota. We've got Matt on with us right now. Matt, how's it going? Not too bad. How's it going? You know, pretty good. Pretty good thinking about next year, though. What are what are some of the resolutions you've got for your farm? What are the things or goals that you've got? Um, probably one of them is we tried one field this year of strip intercropping of corn and beans and probably to try some more of that to see how it works. Interesting. What did you see? Did you see positive yield response or you just learn a bunch of lessons that will help you be more successful next year? Uh, uh, positive on the corn. I mean, we were very dry this year, so we didn't push the corn very much. But we definitely seen a pretty good yield jump in the corn and didn't really lose any bushels on the beans. So see if we can try that again on hopefully more of a normal year sure sure okay let me ask you a question because we get a lot of questions around this how did you do weed control when you've got strips of corn intermixed with strips of beans we incorporated dual pre-plant and then came owned up and liberty over the top of both of them being enlist beans and on the corn and we had good control that way um fungicide we were able to go over both of them insecticide and everything and so it, it logistically it it was the biggest thing is trying to make it work logistically we were able to plant it all in one pass with the planter 12 rows of corn 12 rows of beans at four different populations Interesting. Yeah. Lots of stuff going on there. That, that'll that be fun to see when you're going to do it on a bigger scale this next year. We're hoping we did probably about 40 acres this year. I'm hoping if the weather works, maybe 500. Oh, wow. Try it on. Yep. So did you have any neighbors tell you you were crazy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It was definitely something to look at. But I mean, <laughs> if you can make it work logistically, it we'll see you know yeah, yeah. that would be really cool well if you can if you can increase yield on corn which we we did a little bit of this in the past and we did see corn yields go up uh we hurt our bean yield so we did something a little different than what you did but uh it, it would be really interesting if you don't give up the yield on the beans it's definitely worth the hassle for the increased yield in the corn right definitely Outstanding. Well, that's a good one, Matt. It's going to be fun to hear how that, that turns out for you. If you don't mind, uh, uh, share it with us if if uh, it turns out great. Or, or even if it doesn't, you say, okay, not doing that again. Uh, it's, a, it's a good lesson for us all. We really appreciate it, Matt. You bet. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Good luck. Uh, let's head over to Iowa. We've got Josh on with us right now. Josh, uh, do you have any big resolutions for 2022 for your farm? Well, farming is probably not the best thing to to work on this, but uh, I want to try to lock down as many of my uh, unknowns as possible coming into the year. You know, anything that I can control, I'd like to try to. So um, instead of sitting here worrying if I can get parts for spring, you know, I've already got all of the field cultivator shovels that we need on hand and 
you know, the fluids and everything else. I don't want to worry about somebody else maybe trying to get it. I just want to know that I've got it. And while I might not get the, you know, spring sale or something, I know I've got it and that's worth something in my book. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of farmers thinking the exact same way that let's just get it on hand and not worry. And I know my dad would always talk about that too. A lot of the practices he was doing was just because he didn't want to have to worry about stuff because this is supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's a business. We're trying to make money and everything, but we're supposed to have fun too. So I, I like it. I like eliminating the worries and uh, controlling the controllables. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. Yep. I just want to have my equipment ready. So if we do get a window in a few months, you know, I don't have to go, well, now I should work on stuff. No, it's already ready to roll and we just go. It's not a two-step process, just go. So You know, it takes just the same amount of time to work on it, whether you work on it two months in advance or you do it last minute. It's a whole lot less stressful <laughs> working on it yeah. up front. So I'm, I'm with you. So you must have a heated shop then that you're able to work in because I know it gets cold in Iowa. We don't. I just am a stubborn, stubborn guy. And if it's 40 degrees, I can, I can survive with that. If I put a torpedo heater on me and, oh, you know, get, get some stuff done on the weekends. Well, hopefully you make a ton of money this year, Josh, on your farm and you can <laughs> invest in uh, some creature comforts that going forward. <laughs> right now it's kerosene for the heater. So that's, that's about as creature comforty as I got. So, but so have, have you got uh, ag chem lockdown? I know a lot of guys talk about ag chem. Seed, it doesn't seem like there's as much worry. It seems like the seed supply looks pretty good everywhere. How about the ag chem side? Um, actually finished up with some of that yesterday, just putting the last bits and pieces together. Uh, you know, finished up with the bean prees and, and, and everything. And then, yeah, fin- finished up finished up pricing stuff yesterday. So, yep. Outstanding. What, what do you hear? Do you hear supplies are pretty good on most things outside of Roundup and Liberty or are you hearing different? Um, I'm here. I'm hearing Roundup's going to be tight and they've got X amount and they're told it's going to come between this date and this date. And they're supposed to get an allotment after, you know, April 1st or March 1st or whatever it is, but they don't know when. So they know they're getting so many gallons prior to that date and after that date, but you know, whether it's, you know, March 1st is the date and it comes in May or if it comes in June or August, they don't know. It's just after that date. Yeah, Yeah, that's frustrating. That's frustrating. I was talking to Brian about that too. And he was saying one of the, one of the ag chem companies, he's like, yep, we'll have it to you. It just might not be before spray season. And that, that gets really frustrating of, well, I guess at least you stock up for the future year, but doesn't, doesn't do much good for, for this particular season. Well, Josh, this might be the best one of the day. Lock down the unknowns, control what you can control and, and just don't worry about it. Then I think that's a great way to go. Josh, thank you so much for sharing that. Really appreciate it. No problem. Have a good weekend. You bet. Happy new year to you. Talking about 2022 resolutions for the farm, we'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back after this. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide. 
brand new chemistry, three no-excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide from BASF. That's smart. Always read and follow label directions. This message is for all the corn and soybean growers out there who aren't made of money. If you're using a fungicide other than Zolera FX from UPL, you should know that no corn and soybean fungicide gives you a better return on investment, period. Zolera FX has two high-performance actives delivered at full rates for maximum performance and ROI in corn and soybeans. To see the data, go to ZoleraFX.com and always read and follow label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, January 11th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, fertility requirements, and ways you can make your crop more resistant to stresses like drought and disease. We'll be covering this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. The first name and last word in weed control in heavier, higher organic soil types is Authority Edge Herbicide from FMC. This proprietary combination of actives outperforms the competition, delivering up to 14 more days of residual control. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Authority Edge Herbicide may not be registered for sale or use in all states. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Send to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about your resolutions for the farm for 2022 and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head up to Saskatchewan. We've got Gary on with us right now. Gary, I'm betting one of your resolutions is improve the soil on your farm. Am I right? Sure. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if that'll happen this year so much with the way fertilizer prices have gone, but... uh, Always on my mind, yes. Well, you don't want to go backwards. I know that. It's You want to at least hold right. your own. So what are you thinking? You got some new soil tests back, or are you just uh, digging back through some older ones? Well, I got this past fall's tests in front of me, one of them. Uh, maybe my resolution is I'd like to be able to understand these tests better so I know what to do with them. So maybe you'll help me with that. Yeah, yeah, we sure can. We've got our Ag PhD Soils Clinic coming up here in January, and we're we're really excited about that one. That's always fun to to dig into soil tests with everybody. So, what what questions have you got on your test today? 
Well, right or wrong, uh, we kind of made these decisions at the last minute, and we went with 0 to 12-inch sample depth. Yep. Uh, mainly because we we're mostly interested in the nitrogen and sulfur and wanted to get some good prescriptions for our anhydrous application. Mm-hmm. And we'd had a drought here this year until August and then had some rain that we felt might have moved some nitrogen down that didn't get used up by our droughted out crop. Uh, At the same time, I wanted to know the levels of all our other nutrients, seeing that we were sampling anyways. It seemed like a waste not to get the full analysis on them. But when you take a 0 to 12, when they report your other nutrients and parts per million, are those numbers (laughs) usable? Everything is usable, but the odds are very high that your top six inches has much more fertility than your next six inches. So when you stop and think about it, it's like, okay, well, all my 0 to 12 levels are going to look lower than my 0 to 6 inch levels that I've had in the past. So I'm assuming that's probably why you're calling, right? Uh, somewhat. I, I did expect that. Yep. Uh, but so how, for, for example, in okay. our better producing zone here, sure. our phosphorus yep. parts per million yep. is 11 pounds, or sorry, 11, 11 parts per million. Yeah. Yep. So what I want to know is how many pounds of phosphate do I have there? Sure. So I can just go to your nutrient removal chart, yep. simple as can be. Yep. Well... Kind of. I'll explain. But, okay, so here's here's what you multiply times. When it's 0 to 6 inch, then it you multiply times 2. When it's 0 to 12 inch, you multiply times 4. And the reason why is because every 3 inches of soil, roughly, on a per acre basis, weighs about a million pounds. So if I have 12 inches deep, that means I have roughly yep. 4 million pounds that I'm representing. So you take 11 okay. times 4. So we start out at Okay, we got, we just, what we did there is we converted parts per million to pounds per acre. So now I've got 44 pounds of P. Now, you said phosphate. So if I want to convert that over to phosphate, I have to take that number times 2.3. So if I go, I'm pulling that up on my phone here, 44 times 2.3 is 101.2. So for easy, just round it to 100. You got roughly 100 pounds sitting out there of phosphate. Now, the reason why I said it seems kind of simple to just look at our fertilizer removal app and you say, oh, well, my crop needs 100. I got 100 there. I should be good. There are two other factors you got to look at here. Number one is your soil's organic matter is going to release a little bit of phosphorus throughout the course of the growing season. Not a lot, but in your area, I might figure three or four pounds for every 1% of organic matter. So that's something. But the other side of it is, how much of your soil's phosphate can you actually extract with your root mass that you have for whatever crop you're going to raise? So that's a much bigger question mark where we just, we don't really know. Are you going to be able to extract 10%? Are you going to be able to extract 40%? I, I, I can't answer that question necessarily. Right. Um, you and I are on the same page for figuring out that to get to 100 pounds. Okay. When I phoned the soils lab, she said, nope, that's not how you do it. And in the end, after a lot of discussion, she's a very pleasant lady, she said she would be more than willing to talk directly to you <laughs> okay, and well, get this straightened out instead of all this confusion all the time. All right. Well, what, what number did she come up with? Oh, well, 
well, you can't just multiply by four. Well, I said, well, it's zero to 12. There should be four million pounds. You right. should be able to yep. do that. Nope. Nope. There's more in the top six inches than the rest. I said, I understand that. Well, you can't just multiply by four. And then the confusion builds after that. So anyway, what did she get to you for pounds? Uh, well, didn't want to talk pounds because I kept bugging her, you know, why can't you give me pounds of phosphate so I can use these nutrient removal charts without using my calculator? And she yep. says, well, university, uh, calibrated research is this and that. And I said, how about real life farm? <laughs> right. In the end, she is, she was more than willing to talk to you. And I said, you should, because. You, you can explain it better than I can. Okay, so this is why some people are researchers and some people are farmers. So, <laughs> but, uh, but I put it this way. Um, the way we just calculated it is the correct way. So you got roughly okay. 100 pounds there. But again, the whole thing is we don't know for sure how much you're going to be able to extract this year. So that's the yes, reason why. Darren and I were just talking about this. Darren, I think it was a day or two ago where you said, look at a lot of these high-yield farmers. They all are manure guys. From the past, not recent necessarily, but from the well, past. There's a lot of them that talk about putting on chicken litter now or hog manure now or that kind of thing too. But but yes, a lot of these fields that are getting the big time yields have a history of manure. Right. And we see it on our own farm too when there's parts of fields that used to get a lot of manure, used to have a feedlot or something like well, that. You can still see where those things were years later. But here, here's where I'm going with this, Gary. So for a lot of labs, they might tell you, oh, this level looks okay. Because I'm guessing that lady said, well, yeah. this is a fairly decent level. Um, yeah. Look, it's a fairly decent level for okay yields. And if you want okay right. yields, it's fine. But 100 pounds in the top 12 inches for phosphate, that's not even going to come close to cutting it. Now, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just assuming that they're, I'm, I'm saying we're putting no more fertilizer on. So just if right. this was it, okay, so obviously anybody yep. can fertilize more. But what yep. I'm, where I'm going with this is for a lot of these big time yield guys that you read about, it might be 300 500, 1,000 pounds. I mean, there are guys we know that it's several thousand pounds of phosphate out there. Now, I'm not going to tell you who they are because then they'll get in trouble. But but anyway, they're getting big-time yields there because then they don't have to worry about, well, my, my roots might only extract 10 or 20 or 30% of that from the soil. Oh, boy, we're going to be really cutting it on a few days of the year. They want to make sure that every single day they have lots and lots of fertility. Now, you can't afford to do that with commercial fertilizer today. So I'm not suggesting that you should right. just go out and load everything way up. But what I am saying here is that's not like a super high level. And a lot of, a lot of labs and universities are going to tell you, oh, that's not a bad level. If I saw 11 parts per million, um, I, I'd lose my mind because that's, that's not going to cut it for the kind of yields that we're, we're talking about. So what yeah, crop yeah, are you going to no, put Brian, out there? They thought that that was just wonderful. Exactly. And I had no worries whatsoever. Yep. And then we got into the base saturation K discussion, oh and, well, yeah, oh boy is right. So in the end, again, very pleasant lady, but you should talk to her. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll just tell you, Gary, I'm probably not going to do that. Uh, but I, this, is, this is the reason why we do so much of our own research and work with farmers all over the country uh, in the United States 
and across Canada as well, because we're trying to figure out how do we actually do this in the real world? We got to take it from this lab talk and everything else and simplify things so anybody can do it. Because if it's so complicated that you got to deal with lab technicians in some university and maybe an agronomist somewhere, I mean, it's fine, but I look at it on our farm. I'm going to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on fertilizer in my lifetime. I should be an expert in that. I don't want to just say, well, I guess I got to leave it up to these other people because I'm not smart enough to figure it out. No way. No way. Every farmer out there is smart enough to figure out this fertility thing. You can absolutely do it. So anyway, Gary, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it. And uh, it's always great talking to you. Thank you. Happy New Year. Yep. Happy New Year. All right. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of your phone calls. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest Premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields. See the difference at kyberherbicide.com slash soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com slash soy. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. So register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself, whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest. Farming taught me to give it my best, no matter the job. My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. 
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to Michigan, get Kevin on with us. Kevin, thanks for being patient, hanging on there. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So looking forward here to 2022. We don't have to look too much ahead. We just got a couple of days. But what are what are some of the goals you've got or resolutions you got going into next year? Well, I'm going to try some 60-inch row corn. I'm trying to build a organic matter and soil fertility with uh, cover crops. And I'm going to try a field with uh, and see how that works out. Interesting. Yeah, that's a lot of, those are a couple of real popular things that we hear a lot of farmers talking about. What have you done so far on the cover crops? What's been your experience and which ones have you tried? Uh, I've been interested in my 30 intros with uh, radish, turnips, uh, clovers, a few different things. And I've seen mixed success. The radish and the turnips always seem to want to grow and everything else is uh, marginal depending on the shading, how well the the corn's doing in that spot where the corn's real thick. That stuff doesn't really seem to do that well. Yep, yep, but, um, we, we would agree. We've seen the same thing. So I'm excited to try this. It'll yeah. be, uh, well, it's one of the things that keeps farming exciting is doing experiments. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, when you look back at 2021, uh, what kind of year did you have in your part of Michigan? Oh, it, it wasn't as good as I hoped. Um, we started out real dry, uh, planted into almost no moisture, and then it started raining and didn't stop. So I'm organic. Weed control is real tough this year. Uh, but whereas the corn didn't drown out, it did really well. But there was plenty of low spots. It just it was too much. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um when you think about that weed control aspect, that is, that is something, I mean, yep, yields were good, but, but the yield for the weeds was good too. And that makes it a little bit more of a challenge for this year. So with that is the cover crop weed control part of that. You talked about building organic matter and fertility, but the weed control aspect has got to be pretty positive as well. Yeah, it, it is. It really seems to help out, especially, uh, oh, I've been interceding clover in my wheat and that, that part of the year that really, uh, Often you might have to mow after the wheat comes off once, but after that, always have some nice stand of uh, clover in there and kind of resets the clock a little bit. Yeah, I know one of the things, uh, a lot of guys that we've talked to, kind of in your neck of the woods, we, we've talked a lot about mare's tail, and man, having that cover crop out there didn't allow the mare's tail to get a start in the fall. Which weeds have been particularly challenging for you? Is it a pigweed thing or something different? Yeah, I like to grow the whole assortment. <laughs> pigweed and lambs quarter are definitely uh big issues uh any they seems to uh foxtail i seem to be able to grow that really well as well gotcha gotcha yeah brian always talks about that too he said it seemed like uh, the way it used to be anyways every farmer you talk to you'd say well, what what weed's your worst problem well all of them <laughs> they're they're all a problem <laughs> we've been able to keep the uh real bad ones at bay so far anyway so that's I've had a few spots where I've caught some gypsum weed, but been real intentional about pulling that out and uh, watching that spot next year to make, you know, get anything else that might have gotten past me. And so far, I've been able to keep it to random patches with 
but uh really that's one that scares me that yeah. i really don't want to see it take off yep yep absolutely well kevin thank you so much for for sharing that good luck on the the 60 intro corn and the organic or in the cover crop thing it's gonna be interesting to see how that that plays out for you i do agree the the less shading will certainly allow that cover crop to do a little better it'll be kind of fun to see what you end up with for planting populations in the wider rows and and that kind of stuff and and how it impacts yield yeah i'm excited awesome well thank you so much kevin really appreciate it happy new year you too bye all right, Brian. Uh, yeah, lots of stuff there. It's it's fun to to hear guys talking about. Hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this and uh, see what we can learn out there. I think that's really good. Yeah, it's just what we always suggest is try stuff on a small scale because you have to look and say, all right, why did Dad do it this way? Why did Grandpa do it this way? Why did we switch like on our farm from 38 intros to 30 intros? And at least I was a part of that, but. I, I mean, nevertheless, things change. Seed varieties change. Uh, equipment changes. I, I mean, all these things change. So it's po certainly possible that something could work that you say, there's no chance that's going to work. But let's try it. <laughs> so Darren and I get into this quite a bit. A lot of people say, well, boy, how do you guys, you know, how do you farm with relatives and everything? And don't get me wrong. You know, there, there, there are always going to be challenges. I don't care who you work with. But the, the great thing is, like for Darren and me, when we disagree on something, it's usually, well, let's prove it on the field. Not on 2,000 acres or, you know, the 3,400 acres we farm, but let's let's prove it on a 50-acre field or 40-acre field or whatever, and let's see side by side. Maybe it will work. Maybe it won't. So anyway, yeah, we just encourage you to try some things. Well, we get to experience that firsthand when Dad would leave a check strip trying out different weed control things. Who was it that got to clean those up? Brian and Janelle and me. Well, let's be honest, <laughs> so we though. Most, sure of the time, most of the time, he wasn't leaving the check strip on purpose. But I'm glad that he did. And and this is something, too. We'd encourage you to shut the sprayer off for just a little ways. Not long, but a little ways. Because as soon as you do that, you see, oh, boy, I guess the herbicide's really, really important for those of us who are doing that type of farming. Now, like for Kevin, when he's doing organic farming, that's where you're looking at any other practices that could possibly keep the weeds down. So some people go to no-till because they go, ooh, boy, I get less germination on some of these weeds. And so it's cultural practices. So whatever the case, you, you just you got to try things. Try it one way, try it another way, and do some side-by-side -side stuff, and then you learn. All right, let's get back to the phone lines. Got James with us down in Nebraska. James, uh, Nebraska was the place to be this year. Is 2022 going to be as good? Uh, I sure think it will. I do, too. I think we're I... set up for another good year. Yeah, we had good rains uh, kind of during harvest. Um, kind of what saved us last year is we, me and Dad figured we had 11 inches of moisture between harvest and planting and got timely rains. And and uh, so, yeah, getting decent right now on our, on our uh, moisture. So do you have any big resolutions going into next year? Are there any uh, trials that you're doing or anything that you for sure want to accomplish or change? Yeah, I made a list of a few things here. Um, one would be boron. Um, I did a weekly soil or t tissue sample last year, and I was doing a lot of foliar feeding. And I was able to keep the boron levels as high as I wanted for maybe up to two weeks with the foliar application. But I started looking at my soil tests, and I'm still not moving the numbers on my parts per million. I'm 0 0.4, 0 0.5, 0 0.6 parts per million on soil test 
So I'm thinking I'm going to do more soil applications, um, you know, in addition to um, my foliar to, to try to, you know, give it a good start instead of just hitting it, you know, later in the season. And, you know, I'd, I'd like it to be high, higher levels from start to finish. Totally agree. I think, that, I think you're right on track. Okay. What's your next one? And another one is sulfur. Um, I upped my sulfur last year. And based off of my tissue samples, I still didn't have enough sulfur in the plant. Um, and I had 25 pounds. You know, I'm, my yield goal is about two, 230, 240 corn dryland. And and I I did about 25 pounds of sulfur on, or 24 pounds on corn and probably 15 on beans. And I was still showing short on sulfur. Um, so I'm going to up the sulfur. Um, just feels like I can't ever get enough sulfur. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with you. We got a lot of guys doing, uh, 200, 250 pounds of AMS now ahead of corn and, and that's been real positive. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, another thing, but, but is, you don't have uh, to necessarily okay. spend that much money, James. That's what we were just talking about. Try some things, but if you know 25 isn't enough or 24, keep boosting it. And eventually you're going to find the level where you go, oh, okay, now I feel pretty comfortable. This is working for me. Hey James, we're running up against a break, but if you wouldn't mind hanging on, we'd love to hear the rest of your resolutions here. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I love where he's heading here. He's doing some testing on the farm. He's verifying, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm seeing some positive results, but I need to get even better. And uh, and he's targeting it. So I, I like it. We'll get into more of that with James. And also, we'll keep our phone lines open if you'd like to call in and talk about your resolutions for next year. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improving drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Monday, January 31st, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or you're looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, NRCS guidelines, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details and to register, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other AgPhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com.
When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weave Control System. Just better. With no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're getting resolutions for the farm for 2022 and we're talking to james down in nebraska james has a list and uh tell you what james it's well thought through i really like it i like the direction you're heading here so he started with boron we got to get more boron out there probably going to try some soil applied solutions there i think that's really good we're doing that on our farm too and then the sulfur looking at trying to increase rates to try and get more sulfur in the plants we did some some graphing, James, on our farm, just looking at uh, individual one-acre grid soil sample points and our yield data from our yield monitor. And the higher we got sulfur in the soil, the higher our yields went. It was a nice general trend line, and it was a little higher than what we're hearing about uh, with a lot of the fertility information sources out there. So I agree with you. I think more sulfur is probably a good thing. Did you see more nitrogen efficiency with the higher rates of sulfur? That's that's a really good question. We we have not seen that we need more nitrogen. So does that mean we were more efficient with the nitrogen we had? Yeah, well, could well be. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I can necessarily answer that. We've had two years in a row now where there's been more nitrogen in the soil than we thought there was going to be. I don't. Uh, so apparently, what's been happening is our organic matter is releasing more nitrogen than we thought. So I, I yeah I I don't. I don't think we can really answer that question very well to tell you it's more efficient. It's supposed to be more efficient. That's what everybody tells us. But I, I, I don't, I, I haven't been able to prove that yet. But I believe that to be true. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, the next thing on my list would be going with sticking with fertility um, on the nitrogen side of things. Um, with Nitrogen going so high, everyone's freaking out about, you know, we got to maybe cut it or use nitrogen fixers or things like that. Well, my thought is to not decrease my pounds of nitrogen because I do not want to be short. That's not a good day for corn. Um, but I would like to experiment with a nitrogen fixer like, you know, possibly in Vita or something like that that I can just mess with and see if it, it makes a difference. Yep, I like your strategy there too. We did some trial work on our farm last year looking at this too, and we were also uh, of the same mindset. Man, we know if we run short of N, we're in trouble. And so we kept our kept our end rates the same and tried it that way too. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you, what you learn. There's certainly a lot of those types of products out there. Yeah. Um, and then my last one would be um, every year on my list I have – you know, to improve the the emergence of corn right out of the ground. And 
the thing I'd like to try this year is to try that NutraShield talc because it's like we need talc anyway, and if we can put something on the seed to maybe, um, you know, get the phosphorus solubilizing quicker in the cool soils or sulfur or whatever it might be, manganese, you know, I'd like to try something to, um, every year I want to improve my emergence. So that's the thing I was going to try this year. Yeah, I think that's I think that's awesome. We saw good results out of that last year, but limited trial work, so it'll be fun to see uh, a little bit more out of that product. But but yeah, we did see faster emergence, so it would be it would be a, a good product to try. Hey, that's an awesome list, James. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, good luck here and and happy new year to you. Happy new year to you. Thank you. You bet. Let's head over to Ohio. We've got Fred on with us right now. Fred, how are you today? Doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. All right. James gave us a big list, and he's really looking a lot at fertility and crop emergence. What are you looking to improve uh, for next year, or do you have any big resolutions going into 2022? Why, yes, of course. Our list seems to be longer every year for some reason, but uh, I don't know if that means we just keep messing things up or if we're just learning more every year. I don't know. But uh, I've narrowed it down to three. Uh, one is weed management for us. We struggled with that mostly because um, being a young farmer, not having access to like a self-propelled rig or even just larger equipment. I'm limited. I'm limited on my crop height for post-emergent applications. So we went and bought a drone, um, which sounds kind of crazy, and who knows, probably is. But we're uh, we're gonna try and try and use that to fill in the gaps on some of our post-emerge and then also apply uh, cover crops um, b- before we take the crop off and corn mostly. So sure. that's probably the main thing that we've been working on, trying to get all that figured out, which we're close. Yeah. Um, and then also going to try um, handling our phosphorus a little bit different. Um, so backstory on that is we've got six to seven um, CEC soils that are also highly erodible. So we're trying to find ways that we can increase our our soil test levels, but yet make sure that it's incorporated where, you know, we'd like to do strip till. Um, you know, we've been no-till for a long time, so we're trying to figure out if we can do something with either a strip till rig or um, we're also looking into, we've been using cover crops a lot more, so we're going to start taking uh, soil test levels per inch all the way down to six or eight inches to see um, if we've been able to move our phosphorus down uh, on the fields that we've been using a lot of cover crops on. I don't know if that's going to work or not, but that's something that we're looking at. Um, it's just a hard hard one to do. you got everything going against you with phosphorus with light soils and highly erodible land to where we want to put it out there, but we don't want to put it out there and have a problem either. Yeah. Yeah, and you're in um, Ohio, so you know you get a target on your back anytime you're out there with phosphorus. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean we're we're not into that watershed, but everything that we have ends up going into a high river, um, so it ends up in the Gulf. So yep. it's definitely definitely something to worry about. Um, and then the third thing is we run a beef operation as well, to where we've uh, we've done some more rotating um, than we've done in the past, but we're starting to utilize fall calves, uh, wean calves on some of our corn ground to help maybe again with some of the residue management and stuff like that. But that's been really tricky trying to get them out there when it's dry enough and not uh, too wet because then that just compounds the problem again. So, um, but yeah, who knows? Those are, those are the top three for us. I mean, we've got plenty more 
Um, as far as population work we've been dealing with on corn, um, it seems like we, for a while there, we, we had a, a good couple years in a row where we did it, um, anywhere from 28 to 36,000 and, and, uh, it's been a hodgepodge of results. So it's really, really hard to dial in and see what's right. So, um, and genetics are always a, a big key of that too so yep yep and then every year is different and 36 may be better this year and 28 may be your best next year and so yeah i think i don't know i don't know that there's a magic population i think you end up using no. multiple pops every year and play the odds yeah yeah that's i mean it like i say it seems like we learn more and more every year and um for just starting out being able to have all that data has been a huge hand for us, we, we did start doing, last year was our first year, 21 was our first year doing variable rate seedings on beans and some marginal ground. Um, that really had a nice pay for us. Um, and mostly there wasn't a huge yield difference. It was just the cost savings in, in the in the better areas. We were able to kind of move some dollars from the, from the higher producing areas, back that population down a little bit, still keep the yield the same or better, and then increased population on some of the bad spots and we've actually saw a decent yield response from that yeah um, yeah i agree we, we've seen the same year, thing here but, too putting a little more pop on soybeans in the bad areas just the opposite of what you do in corn right right yeah no that's that's been a good learning experience for us but i mean we've got a lot of things that we're working on we're just really curious to the it, it when you sit down in the office and you look at all the things you want to change and do better it's like man, I'm really excited for spring. And then you look outside and you're like, well, we're not even close to that yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're in Ohio. You're still in Ohio. So it's going to be a little bit, but yeah. you know what? Uh, it's, it's fun to have stuff to look forward to. I know a lot of, a lot of years I'm saying about the middle of the season, oh, if I could just jump forward in time and get right to harvest and see how this is going to turn out. I'm, I'm just so anxious about it, but uh, that's, that's one of the really cool things about farming, man. You got a lot of stuff going on there, Fred. We really appreciate hearing about that. The, the drone thing will be really cool. And, uh, certainly trying to measure that phosphorus a little better and uh, and manage residue better. Good good stuff. Good stuff to work on and uh, something that's going to benefit your farm for many years to come. Thank you much. Appreciate everything you guys do. You bet. Thanks, Fred. Happy New Year. You too. Got a comment that came in from Robert. We're always talking about our three pre's and soybeans. And uh, I know uh, Fred had mentioned weed control there. And Robert said, in my community, nobody used metribuzin because our soils were sandy. But just seven or eight miles away from us, the soil was heavier and more clay over there. And it, and it was working great for those guys. Yeah, there, there are a lot of these things that, even though it doesn't seem like, uh, well, that's never going to work here. Boy, you don't have to go very far down the road. And some of these concepts are being used and used successfully. Hey, thanks for sharing that, Robert. Really appreciate that. Well, thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.